When was the last time that you were filled with joy? Just pause and and think about that for a moment. When was the last time that you were filled with joy? Maybe it was some gift that you were given. Somebody gave you a gift and you just delighted in that gift and you were filled with joy. Maybe you were the gift giver and you gave a gift to somebody and you saw the reaction on their face and you were like, yes, that was the perfect gift. And you were filled with joy at that moment. Maybe it was an activity, something that you did with somebody else And as you were doing that thing, you just went, this is so wonderful, and you were filled with joy. Maybe it was something else. Maybe you were were walking through the woods, and you just had a deep sense of contentment and were filled with joy. I, I don't know what your particular moment of joy most recently was. But I'm hoping that as we look at the scriptures this morning, and and as we look at what Peter is writing to us, that we will find cause for joy this morning. So if you'd turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to be starting in in verse 3. We're we're working our way now. We've just begun last week. We began a new series in the book of 1 Peter, and so now we're on verse 3, and this is how it reads. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Notice notice how he begins. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God. I got stumped by that one this week. Because normally when I think of blessing and I think of who does the blessing, I think of God doing the blessing and me being the one being blessed. And so as I was reading this, I thought, how is God blessed? How's God blessed? What does that even mean, that God would be blessed? I mean, I I think about like when people say, oh, it was such a blessing to me. What they're they're usually referring to is somebody being kind to them or something that caused them to have contentment or or joy or or something that they just felt like, wow, this was just such a blessing to me. And so as I was talking with Pastor Scott, as we were talking about this sermon together and we we were reflecting on this, I, I said, I don't understand this. How could we have God being blessed? What does that even mean? And he said, I I think that that means that God is happy. Oh, 
okay. And so then I started to read this because at first when you just, it's like a dear somebody, right? What does that mean? Dear, dear Susan. Dear Rick, as I'm writing this letter, dear Rick, what, what, what does that even mean? This is the same kind of thing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's sort of this statement that we put out there, right? Unless you stop and slow down and look at it, and then you start to ponder it, and then you realize, as Pastor Scott says, that God is blessed. God is happy. God is happy. What is it that makes God happy? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, I want you to notice that this is one verse I've read so far. That's a big verse as far as content goes. Maybe not in sheer number of words, but just as far as content goes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God was so happy. Why? Because he gave us a gift. Because he gave us a gift. He looked at us and said, they are pathetic. And need a lot of help. <laughs> and, and just as sometimes I look on, at people and I take pity on them and I go, oh, you need help. And so I give them something to help them. I come alongside them in a way that helps them. God, in his great mercy a huge amount of compassion and generosity in his great mercy has given us a gift. And this is his gift. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's our issue. Our issue is that our sin gets in the way of our relationship with God. God loves us. God wants to have relationship with us, but our sin gets in the way of that. So every time that we sin, we do things that, that separate us from God. It causes issues and friction. Now, you've been in relationships with other people, sometimes formal relationships, sometimes we just call them friendships, and somebody has done something and it causes friction between you and that other person. You, we could refer to that as sin, this thing that, that's causing this barrier between us. And your issue is you have a sin barrier, a sin issue between you and God. And so God's choices are that God can say, look, this is not working for me, and so I'm going to need you to leave. Just, just go. This is my house. Get out. Or, according to his great mercy, he can extend grace to us and welcome us in nonetheless. 
And this is exactly what he has done. He, it says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He said, look, you have a problem. And so I am not only going to overlook the problem, I am going to completely remake you. You have already had a, a, a fleshly life, a physical life, but I am going to remake you and cause you to have a, a spiritual life so that you and I can be reconciled, so that you and I can begin to have a relationship that, that's uh, not tainted, not uh, having this issue of division between us because of your sin. And the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to give my son to die on the cross for your sin. So that any punishment that you deserve, any, any exclusion from me that you deserve, I'm going to put on my son instead. So that there can be justice, but also grace and mercy. And so he has, has taken all of the punishment that we deserve and he has put it on his son so that we can be reconciled with him. He's cast all of the blame on the son who was guiltless so that we might be restored to relationship with him. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. What an incredible statement. That our lives have been remade so that from a spiritual standpoint, we have been reborn into a completely different way of living, into a living hope. I, I don't know if you have recently experienced discouragement. And then some hope comes in. And it gives you this new life. It just revives you, gives you a brand new kind of energy. And this is the kind of thing that he's talking about. He's saying, look, I have done something that should cause for you to have a living hope, an ongoing, reawakening, fresh hope that will continue to live and abide in you. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then he goes on to continue to unpack this. Because as if a living hope wasn't enough, he begins to describe more and more to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. What is this living hope? It's this thing that we are yet to see in its full revelation. This thing that's being kept in heaven, guarded and, and held for us. It's waiting for us. We haven't fully realized it. We're delighting in it now. We have joy in it now, but we haven't fully realized it yet. You, have, have you ever had this? Uh, this happens more now, I think, than it used to. Because of the whole Amazon thing, where you say, I ordered your birthday present, but it's not here yet, so I'm going to give you a picture of it and tell you what it is. So that you can have the joy on your birthday, even though it won't arrive for another two days. This is what's happening here, right? You are beginning to have this, this uh, joy, because we are born again to a living hope. 
but it's being kept in heaven for us. It, it hasn't fully arrived yet, but it's already being described to us, and this is how it's being described to us, as an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Those are great words. I like those words in pretty much any context. Imperishable, it, it's not going to um, decay or fall apart. It's imperishable, it is undefiled, it is pure and clean, and it's unfading. I, I know that you've experienced this, that at, at times you have a great hope and a great joy, and then that joy sort of fades. But this is a hope that is waiting for us in heaven that will not fade. It's unfading. Like, like that new, the, the new clothes that you got, and they have the, the great color to them, and then you wear them, and then you wash them, and you, you notice that this is beginning to fade. It doesn't quite have the same shine that it used to have. This hope for us is in heaven waiting for us, and it's unfading. It's not going to go away. It's being kept in heaven for us. It is an inheritance that we will receive. Now, notice the way that he's putting all these together because this is wonderful. Look at how, look at how he has caused us in verse 3 to be born again to a living hope, right? We have been born again to an, a living hope. This being born into this new spiritual birth entitles us to a new inheritance, when we were just flesh and physical, we were born into an inheritance of death. Now we have this spiritual rebirth happening within us and we are entitled now to a new inheritance because God has caused us to be born again. He has caused us to be born as now one of his children entitled to his inheritance. But when do you receive an inheritance? When somebody dies. Well, who's going to die so that you might receive this inheritance? Jesus. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus died so that we might receive that inheritance. We couldn't receive it before. But now through the death of Jesus, we receive this hope as an inheritance. And then, not only that, Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again from the dead so that we have this living hope of a whole new category and a whole new kind. Because we have this hope that is waiting for us as an eternal life in heaven with God. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and kept in heaven for you. You who, verse 5 by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This is a hope that has begun at our rebirth through the death and resurrection of Jesus, continues because God is guarding us, protecting us, holding us, securing us, and continues in the future because it has not yet been fully realized or fully revealed, but that is coming in the last time. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, you who by God's power are being guarded through faith 
for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Have you had something precious to you before? How are you going to protect that thing and keep it safe? What are you going to do with it? You could give it to uh, a bank and put it in a safety deposit box. You could um, lock it in some cabinet in your house. I have a couple of things that, that came from my grandfather. One of them is a, it's a toy race car that he got uh, at the Indianapolis 500 a long time ago. And, and I have that, and I, I have it up high on a shelf so that no one can reach it. And it's in a glass box, which is declaring, don't touch it. Somewhere along the way, the glass box got broken, and one of the pieces of glass is broken, but the car is fine. And I still have it in that box up high on a shelf because this is where I'm keeping it. I don't know what I'm keeping it for, but a long time. That's the goal. And here God is described as the one who is by his power guarding us. Guarding us. Because there's always this concern, right, that, that you've been shown the picture of the present, but what if it isn't ever actually realized? What if we don't actually ever get there? What if Amazon or FedEx or UPS or somebody accidentally diverts this package and it goes the wrong, to the wrong place? Or what if it arrives and it's not the thing that I wanted, or was expecting to receive, but it's something completely different. And so there's, there's this, this slight concern that what if this thing is not able to be fully realized and that concern is met right here in the presence, but the present by God's power guarding us. God's power is protecting us. And so what's going to remove you then from this living hope? If God himself God's power is the one that's guarding you I'd feel a whole lot more comfortable about my car up on the shelf in the glass box if it was God's power that was protecting it I would be less concerned about it then have at it kids what you gonna do you want to take it down and drive it go for it God's power is protecting it but it, that's not the case. But this, for us, we have that kind of living hope that it is an inheritance that we will receive. It's not going to get changed. It's not going to get twisted. It's not going to fade. It's not going to die. And it's being protected, kept in heaven, held for us until we get there by the power of God. Nothing can change that. Those of us who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith. Through faith. This is how we know that God is holding it, protecting it for us. It is because it is through our faith. Now, now notice that it doesn't go the other way around, right? 
It is not because we are believing hard enough that then God is protecting it and holding it for us. It is by God's power he is protecting it and holding it for us and he is confirming that in us through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So that in the future, at the right time, it will arrive and it will be revealed and it will be spectacular. Everything that we have hoped for and anticipated in this good gift from God to us because of his great mercy and his love for us, it will be revealed and it's going to be just as awesome as we imagine it being. You've read all the the reviews. You've decided this is the one. It shows up. You open it up. Yeah. It's okay. It's satisfactory. And then you have those other ones that it arrives and you're cautious and you open it up and you start to use it and you go, this is everything I'd hoped for and more. This is the most amazing, awesome gadget that I could have ever, I don't know how I lived my life before I had this. That's the kind of gift that we're getting. Because the reality is you didn't live a life before you had this. You were living a perishable life. And now, having received this gift from God, having been born again to a spiritual life, you are now living a real life with a living hope that God is protecting for you. So that in this you rejoice. Woo! In this you rejoice. Because you have this inheritance that is waiting for you, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And so you are rejoicing. You can say, well, okay, I I know that I'm rejoicing, but there's challenges now. I'm rejoicing because of the thing that's coming, but but there's challenges now. There's times that I'm struggling right now. There are things that are hard about the right now. So he says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Yes, acknowledging that there are trials right now. There are challenges in the right now. But you rejoice anyway. You remember how we started by saying that God was happy because he was giving us this gift, this gift of relationship with him, this delight of being together. Now it's saying that we also are happy. We rejoice We rejoice because of what? The same thing. I I don't know how much time you spent around gifts people. Gifts people are those people that love to give gifts. They love to receive gifts. Gifts are just a thing. I'm not one of those people. I'm too Dutch to be a gifts person. But somehow my sister, who's also Dutch, very much a gifts person, And one of the things that I appreciate about my sister is that when you give her a gift, she appreciates the thought behind the gift. It doesn't really matter to her what the gift was, just that you thought of her and gave her a gift, she delights in that. But even more, she delights to give gifts. 
So there, there's this sort of celebration every time because she's giving you this gift and she's just so excited because she's thought it out and she's done whatever it takes to get exactly the right thing for you. She's amazing at that. And so she gives you the gift and you, she gets excited because you get excited. You're both like excited together as you open the gift and you're like, oh, this is amazing. And she goes, I know, isn't it? And both of you are happy in this. And the same thing is happening here. That we and God both, in this gift that God has given to us, we're both excited about it. Right? We, we, we go, wait a second, I'm born again to a new and spiritual life? This is wonderful. And God is going, I know, isn't it? Because he delights to give you this great gift. Even if for now, it, for a little while, you may be grieved by various trials. You, you might be grieved now by various trials, various issues, various challenges that are coming up. That, that doesn't cause the, the, the joy or the anticipation of the gift to fade or to go away completely. There's just these challenges that are happening right now. Why is that? Why, why do we have these challenges right now? Some people ha have thought that, you know, if I become a Christian, then the benefits of becoming a Christian are God is on my side, and now I won't have any trials anymore. And the reality is, I have not met that kind of Christian yet. The kind of Christian who becomes a Christian and suddenly, woohoo, all the challenges are gone. That just, that just hasn't, I have not ever observed that. I'm waiting to find one. However, he says, though now for a little while, if necessary, you will be grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, there's a purpose for these trials. It reminds me of this illustration of gold, this, that if you take gold and you put it through the fire, it refines it and it makes it pure, right? And so it purifies this gold. But even then, even then, this very precious gold, having been refined by fire and now being clean and pure and everything, it still perishes. But he says, but you have attested genuine faith that like that gold which perishes even though it's tested by fire you have this eternal hope so that you are being tested by fire it's cleaning out all of the impurities of your faith it's cleaning out all of the impurities of your joy it's cleaning out all of those impurities so that the at the end you may have an inheritance that is imperishable and now undefiled because those trials and tribulations that we're experiencing are cleansing our faith and cleansing um, our lives so that they may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus if we were living perfect lives right now the whole thing would result in praise and glory and honor to Jesus. When our lives are not resulting in praise and glory and honor to, to Jesus, this is the sin that is separating us between us and God, 
It's causing friction between us and God. But as we experience these trials and as we are working our way through them, we know God is guarding us, protecting us, holding us through, even in the midst of those. Even in the midst of those challenges and trials, God is protecting us and carrying us through so that as it gets refined, on the other end, at the revelation of Jesus Christ, we, the, our faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. Praise and glory and honor. All given to Jesus. It is for this reason, verse 8, that though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not seen him, you love him. It's one of the challenges of our faith, isn't it? That we haven't seen Jesus. How can you love somebody that you haven't seen? Well, when they're writing letters to you about how much they love you, and they're telling you about the gifts that they are giving to you, and you have the expectation of the time when you will see them, That's how. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Have you had that happen before where, where you uh, were corresponding with somebody that you hadn't seen? Maybe you'd never met them before or maybe it'd just been a really long time since you'd seen them. You're corresponding with, with them and you just, you love them. You love what they're, they're about. You, you love who they are. And you can't wait until you finally get to see them and meet them face to face. And this is the expectation that we have. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. We have good reason to believe. We have, have the scriptures that God has given to us that describe who he is and explains uh, his great love for us. And we have an expectation of the things that are to come. And so even though we have not seen him, we do love him. Even though we do not now see him, we still believe in him. And we continue to rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Because of his great love for us, we, we just are filled with joy. That joy that is inexpressible. A, a good woo-hoo is not enough. A, 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 a big celebration, lots of cheering, not enough. There's a joy that fills us so much because of the expectation of seeing him face to face that it is inexpressible. We, we can't even describe what it is. We just know that we are deeply satisfied, deeply happy because of him. So we rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled 
with glory. A joy that is filled with glory and praise for God because of what he has done and because of what he continues to do and because of what we expect that he will do. We're just waiting for that last time when Jesus is revealed and we understand that our faith has, is fully realized. There's great benefit right now in anticipation of that full realization, but when that time comes, it's whoo! It's going to be beyond anything that you can expect. One of those things that you can build it up in your mind as much as you want and just go for it. Because it's going to way surpass that. A couple of my kids, as we have been uh, working with them, we have realized that we have to downplay absolutely everything. Because otherwise they just build it up in their mind so much that no matter what it is, it's a huge disappointment. Because they had thought this was going to be the best thing that could possibly ever be. And in fact, it was only second to that. And so we have had to downplay things, but this is the kind of thing that you can go ahead and build that sucker up because it's going to go way beyond anything that you could imagine. The kind of joy that's going to fill you in such a way that you can't even express all of the joy and contentment that you're having. Because you will obtain the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Verse 9. Because you are obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There is a sense in which this has already happened and is yet to happen. It's this, this strange thing where we find ourselves right here in the present where if you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have already been born again to a living hope and you have an expectation and an anticipation of that hope being revealed at the right time. Which means that the joy that you are experiencing, that you will be experiencing then, is in part your reality now because you're anticipating it. Which is why, even though they gave you a piece of paper and said, here's the description of the thing that's coming, it'll be here in a couple of days, you're already excited. You're already excited because you know what that means and you've been wanting this. You've been anticipating this. And now you know there's a definite period of time when it will arrive and then it will be here. And this is the same thing that's happening now. We are obtaining the outcome of our faith that is the salvation of our souls. The salvation of our souls because we have been born again to a new life, a living hope with God. There are some times that I, I wish I had bigger and better words to try and talk about these things and express them in a way that, that uh, conveys all of the weight and all of the glory and all of the joy that's due this. And there just aren't the words. I can't figure out a way to put this that I feel like would impart the kind of, of um, grace and love and glory that God has and that he is sharing with you. I, I, I can't figure out how to do it. I've been spending all week trying to figure out how to do it. 
And I felt like no matter what I said or how I conveyed it, there's just no way that I can properly get this across. Because even in, in Peter's doing this, I, I, just, I, I read that through this and say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then you begin to look at all of the pieces of this and how they fit together. That according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory and obtain the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The richness of this is well worth meditating on all week long. Because our God is so great so loving, so compassionate, so merciful. And because he has given you a gift that is beyond measure, the gift of his son, so that you can be reconciled with him. And whatever it was that you felt like that was the thing that was the most joyful you've been in the last few weeks, whether it was because you gave a gift, whether it was because you received a gift, whether it was because you spent time with somebody or experienced God's great, uh, great salvation or great creation, all of those things are wrapped up right in this. That God delights to give us this gift and receive our praise for it so that we're mutually enjoying this moment. And that this moment is just going to be heightened as our faith is tested and refined. And one day it will be fully realized at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And our faith also will result in praise and glory and honor to him. And we will rejoice in that and be delighted in him forevermore. And so now I think the only thing that we can do is just respond in praise to him. And glorify him with our whole selves just singing and praising him for all that he has done and for how great his mercy is toward us. Let's pray. Lord God, in the midst of all of this, too often we find ourselves disgusted distracted by the grief of the various trials. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to find joy. Not because we seek to be joyful even in the midst of trials, but because we have seen your glory. Because we have seen your love and mercy for us. 
because we anticipate what that will mean in its full revelation that we will be so taken with you and with your love and with your presence and with your mercy and grace that the trials will fade in magnitude because of the glory and the majesty of you in our lives. Father, we pray that you would fill our hearts by the presence and sanctification of the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you would cleanse us from all of our sin by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and by the sprinkling of his blood on us. Father, we pray that we might delight in you. That we would know how high and how deep and how wide is your great love for us. And then, Father, we pray that we would respond with hearts and lives of praise that you too may be blessed. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.